Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I know I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure that Teddy Roosevelt wasn't a trained psychologist. He probably didn't have a background in mental health. And as far as I know, he didn't send out any test samples about joy. But I think we could all agree that he was definitely onto something. In fact, a 2017 Gallup poll of over 2.5 million Americans showed the largest decline of overall feelings of well-being, or joy, happened in the last 10 years. That tells me that we're lonely. We're disconnected and probably a little discontent with our lives. I don't think we can pin all of our troubles on comparison. I think it's probably more of a complicated equation than that. But I do think that the longing of all of humanity is to be more like this, or less like that, to have more of this and less of that. Our tendency is to make tally marks and tier levels out of virtually everything, and that does contribute greatly to our overall joylessness. So today we're gonna be talking about comparison and the trap that it really is. Before we do that though, I just wanna take a minute and introduce you to my friends who are joining me, I have September McCarthy here today and Kate Battistelli, and I'm Jamie Erickson, and we're so glad to have you here. It's really easy to place all the blame for our comparison problems on social media. I know that when my mom was raising me in the 80s, she only had to compare herself and her home to a much smaller circle, just a few moms on her block, maybe some ladies at church, and of course, Martha Stewart. But we're living in a time now when the Joneses aren't just next door. They're on our laptops. They're on our phones. They're in our earbuds. They're unavoidable. With that in mind, ladies, I want to know, do you think that comparison is a new thing? Can we really place all the blame on social media? I know you two women have journeyed a lot of your parenting years without social media. So what would you say to a young mom in light of all the curated messages that she sees on Facebook or on Instagram, what would you say to that woman? September, what would you say? Well, I would say that comparison is nothing new under the sun. I think it is a natural consequence, unfortunately and sadly, from the fall. I think of Eve in the garden and how she wanted and craved something else, and she was comparing something she could have or desired um, with the circumstances that she had. So I think it's something that we will always struggle with, but we don't need to live in it. And it, it is a perfect example of how we need to abide in truth to be able to overcome this because truth is really what is going to set us free from believing that we need something else or what someone else has. So outside of social media, I don't think that social media has helped us. I think it's really um, been more difficult for us to process this comparison thing. It's just made our circles bigger, like compared to your mom, Jamie, you know, in the 80s. I, th- I think that now 
our circles are bigger. And the difference is with social media, they are before us every day, every minute. As soon as we open our phone or computer, the comparison is available to us. Whereas when our circles are smaller, uh, you know, not on social media, we have less to compare to. But as women, you know, I'm raising seven daughters and I can tell you, even in my home, if I take social media away and I take um, community and church and friend circles away, I still have seven daughters who are comparing their size and their personalities to one another. And I'm constantly reminding them that God made them uniquely themselves. And so it's something I think we will struggle with, but we need to combat that. And um, I think it's just social media has added just one more distraction for us. I agree with that, September. Uh, comparison is definitely not new. It's absolutely a trap and a nasty one. Now, it's true. I think social media has made it far easier to compare than the years before it existed. But Jamie, like your mom, I grew up before there was anything online. I mean, my social circles were much smaller than they are today, but you could still feel intimidated by someone else's much cleaner house, much better behaved children, much tastier dish at the church potluck or your neighbor's better job, or the woman who just seemed like she had it all together. And September, like you were saying, I was thinking about Eve as well, because it's when, you know, Satan got to Eve, he got Eve to compare herself to God. He said to her, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. To me, that's where it started and it's not gotten any better. It just hasn't slowed down since. We still do it and it's still just an ugly trap. Yeah, I think comparison was amplified with social media, but we can't cast all the blame on our 21st century living. I think. It's, it's one of Satan's biggest tricks. He wants us to compare with each other. He wants us to look next to and not up. If we are looking toward God and finding our, our place and our value um, with, with what he says about us, we would have no need to compare. But that would not be in line with his agenda. So he wants us to compare ourselves. And like September said, even within our own homes, even within our own sisters to compare our gifts and our abilities, we constantly are striving for more or better when really we just need to be content. Stop thinking of, uh, we need to stop thinking about the woman that we're supposed to be and be content with the woman God made us to be. As Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy, but I actually think it's so much more than that. What do you think really is the real root problem of comparison? You know, when I think about myself and comparison, I think that the root I would probably say is discontentment. Um, discontentment to be who I am am called to be, who God created me to be, wanting something that God doesn't have for me and my story. And when that begins, it's just a, a rabbit trail of seeking and pursuing, and we really get lost in it. We forget, you know, we forget our original strengths and our original gifts and who um, God is molding and shaping us to be, trying to be someone or something else. Um, I think about some of those messages on Facebook and Instagram and 
how we get lost in that rabbit trail. And I have to remember that when I'm starting to feel discontentment, that I'm comparing myself to other people and the beautiful things that they have on their screen. And I have to remember that behind every screen on social media and behind every closed door and every perfect picture I see that everyone has a struggle and everyone has something they're going through. And um, so I want to be careful not to be discontented with my story and my struggles and finding the purpose that God has for me in, in my motherhood. I agree with you, September. I think discontent is a big part of it, but I also think that pride is another big part of the comparison trap. I am quite certain that we want what the other person has, and we'll try to get it if we can. We mistakenly think they have it all and know all the answers, but I promise you they don't. I mean, how many times does a scandal happen and we think, wow, I never would have thought she was capable of that. She seemed to have it all together. Now, my husband says men are from Google and women are from Pinterest. And, you know, I love Pinterest, but looking at it usually makes me feel like a complete failure. Everything's so perfect and there is no way I can measure up. Worse yet, if I allow myself, it's very easy for me to be intimidated and start comparing myself to most of the authors and bloggers that I follow. I mean, their writing is expressive and beautiful. They take gorgeous photos. They have way more followers than I do, tribes even. So I might as well just throw in the towel, right? And just give up. That's what the enemy would like me to do. He would love nothing more than to intimidate me right out of my place of peace. So if I compare myself with other writers and bloggers, I'm going to be found wanting every single time because the devil wants me to listen to the voices of insecurity and doubt that are already lurking in my subconscious and probably most of you listening. He wants me to pull them out, turn up the volume on their accusations and say, who do you think you are, Kate? You're not gifted enough or smart enough, young enough, connected enough, or educated enough to pull this off. You're not fooling anybody. You might as well just give up before you're utterly embarrassed. But here's the thing. If you're gifted enough, smart enough, connected enough, young enough or old enough and educated enough, what on earth do you need God for? Mm -hmm. That's so right. I think comparison is less about the other person if we're really being honest. And it's more about ourselves because we use someone else's life to evaluate our own and we stack ourselves up against them. It really is a me-centered thing, whether we want to admit it or not. I'm going to say something here, and this is going to sting a little bit, and I'm saying it to myself. Comparison really is a form of spiritual adultery because we have to ask ourselves, who's well done? are we working for? Mm. When we're looking at somebody else's approval, we're not looking to God. And it's his well done that should really matter. Christ should be our litmus test. Um, and really, if we're being honest, that satisfaction of meeting someone else's standard doesn't really have longevity. We're going to constantly be looking for it. Um, but his approval is already set. We are pre-approved in Christ. Hey mamas, Jamie here. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm pretty excited about something and I just have to share. Today's the day. My book, Homeschool Bravely, How to Squash Doubt, 
Trust God and Teach Your Child with Confidence is coming at you. Have you ordered your copy yet? I hope so. Here's the thing. Most moms have a lifelong relationship with self-doubt. For the homeschool mom, that burden is magnified. She wonders, did I make the right decision? Could someone else do it better? Am I robbing my kids of something by not sending them to the regular school down the street? But what if there's a better way of thinking? One that doesn't find you always lurking in the shadows of fear. Not a three-step technique or a shiny new curriculum, but a change in perspective. One that transforms the way you plan and teach and even live out each day of learning with your kids. Homeschool Bravely will help you to see homeschooling as a calling. It'll show you how to overthrow the tyranny of impossible expectations, and it will guide you through some of the biggest homeschooling struggles. Reclaim your hope, renew your purpose, and transform your homeschool today. Because the truth is, God will use every part of the journey, even your fears, faults, and failures, to weave good plans for your kids. Don't let fear have the final say in your homeschool. What are some tangible tips that we can leave our listeners so we don't end on such a sour note? Let's share some things, give some tools and tips to the mom suffering in this comparison trap. How can she find her way out from under it when the opportunity for comparison is all around her? What do you think, ladies? Well, I can speak from experience on the flip side of this coin, which we don't always really hear from, but I had a lot of women distance themselves from me because they were comparing themselves to me. And I did not realize that until people started to say, well, you know, September McCarthy, she has it all together. And that stung, that stung me. That was really hard for me to hear. And I had to really evaluate the picture. I might've been presenting or painting for people that watched me follow me. But the real bottom line was, is that I didn't cause someone to compare themselves to me. They, they needed to get to know me. And so I encourage women, even myself, to get to know, to really, really know the women around you. Don't just paint a picture in your mind of who you think they are or what they are doing and what that is for your life. Get to know them and not just that, but encourage them in the, their strengths also. The more we step outside of ourselves and encourage other people, the less focus we're taking off ourselves. And the less of a pedestal that person is on, bring those other people down to your level of knowing who they are and their strengths in Christ and encourage them rather than looking at that as something that you need to attain or be. Another thing that I have discovered in helping me diffuse this comparison trap is to actually grow my own strengths, like identify what are my strengths and what has God given me? What are the good things? Gratefulness is the perfect recipe for discontentment. Also to grow my weaknesses, which what I mean by that is to identify, these are the areas that I'm obviously drawn to and why am I drawn to these things and other people? Maybe I have areas of my life that I need to work on, I'm not going to do that by trying to be someone else. I just need to work on those areas spiritually and emotionally and physically. Like I need to do the hard work. 
And so I want to grow in who Christ wants me to be. And oftentimes we are comparing ourselves in areas that whether we're not built or made to do those things, maybe God doesn't want us to be the best cupcake maker, but maybe he wants us to be the person who starts a ladies Bible study. So do the things that are hard, but that God called you to do, not someone else. That's great, September. One thing I really want to remind our listeners that you are unique. God made you beautiful and brilliant, and he did not make a mistake when he created you. The only thing I know to tell you to do is to speak what God says about you out loud. Remind yourself that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. All the, Speak those things out over yourself that you read in the word and know that he means them about you. He calls you forgiven and beautiful, a new creation. He chose you. I mean, he calls you a child of the king. He, you're his bride. How cool is that? I mean, take that social media. <laughs> take that. That's right. I, I want to just say to our young mom listeners, it's not helpful for us to say, well, you should just escape social media because in this day and age, that's probably not possible for most of us. But Perhaps there are seasons when we need to unsubscribe to certain voices. And that doesn't mean that we're being little or small. Um, there have been certain social media accounts where I have found so much value and it's been so helpful. But on particular days or during particular seasons, I actually have to quiet that voice because of what I know it does to me in my heart and how it makes me feel lesser than. And this isn't a, a slam or a criticism against that person. I'm owning all of that myself. That is on me to be able to find my worth and value in Christ. But sometimes the most helpful thing that I can do for myself is to just unsubscribe or quiet certain social media accounts, maybe even certain people in my life until I can point my eyes upward again. I also just want to say, because I'm privy in the work that I do online, I want to give you a little piece or a little peek behind the scenes. So if you follow certain social media accounts, certain Instagram accounts, certain Facebook accounts, you have to understand that many of those are business accounts. And those people are trying to earn a living. Kudos to them as a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, um, trying to make a little side hustle to support their families. But in that, some of the pictures or images or messages that you see are very curated and very contrived. And that's great. But you cannot lay that curated message, that highlight reel over your every day. That's, you're only going to feel the weight of that. Let me just give you a quick example. I have a friend um, in the online space and she does work professionally on Instagram. Her account is beautiful and it's so inspiring. Her kids are always cute. They're always dressed in designer clothes, doing some great project because that is what she sells. That's her business and I applaud her. But I also know that that account is made up of very intentional Saturday mornings where she dresses her kids up in certain outfits, does their hair, 
comes up with five or six different activities that she wants them to do, sits them down, they do those activities in order that she can take some beautiful photos in which to share. Now, I am not criticizing her in the slightest. I think it's wonderful that she has found a niche that helps her make a living for her family. But I want you, listener, to know that when you look at those curated and beautiful photos on Instagram, um, they're not always just everyday photos. And so she'll take these photos on one Saturday and then dish them out all month long to keep her account, her Instagram account, looking beautiful. I hope that is freeing for you to know that. Can I add one thing to that, Jamie? Because I, I put up, you know, I put up a lot of food posts on Instagram because I love to cook and it's fun for me. But when you see my post, you're only seeing the finished dish. You're not seeing the disaster that is my kitchen because just ask my poor husband who cleans up after me. But I know how to make it look perfect. I know how to make you want my recipe because I can light my photo. I can edit it in a way that might, might make you think, gosh, I could never cook like Kate. And that is totally not true and it's not my aim, but it's how our posts can come across. And I, I think it would probably be good for all of us to show some of the messy parts of our lives so that people do see it's not perfect. You know, everybody's life is messy. We're all human. And I don't care how well lit your photo is. I'm learning it's not your real life. And I know it's not mine. And we also have to keep in mind that everyone can be an expert on social media. If you say <laughs> it loud enough and with enough authority, everyone's going to start believing you. Um, but social media constantly has competing voices. You can read one post where it's telling you to only buy organic. And the next very, the very next post will tell you that you have to use coupons. It's constant competing messages. So mm -hmm. that's where it comes back to who's well done are you working for? Before we go, I just want to ask you girls one last question. What is making your mothering better today? My mothering is so much better today because I took a nap. Sometimes you just have to take a nap and that is so vital for me. <laughs> I love that September. Um, I think because my daughter's grown and has her own family, what makes my mothering better now is listening more and talking less. Because, you know, life changes when your children grow up. They don't need you. They don't need our help nearly as much. So it would be very easy for me to offer my opinion. But unless I'm asked, I'm going to let her figure it out. And she's doing a marvelous job as a modern day mom. What's helping my motherhood today is my podcast go app it's just an app i have on my phone i'm a natural learner but i'm also in a very busy work season right now and i can't just sit down and read as much as i would like to so having that podcast go app, i can be listening to some great information maybe a news broadcast while i'm doing the dishes or folding laundry i also queue up a lot of family friendly podcasts um, that have to do with history and science. And my kids like to listen to them when they're cleaning their room or when they're folding the laundry. So that has just really um, made mothering a whole lot easier lately. We call it a comparison trap, mamas, for a reason. It's actually not just a thief of joy. It's so much more than that. When we compare ourselves to anybody but Christ, we never come out unscathed. It's actually a two-edged sword. If we see ourselves as a failure, we're going to be driven by guilt and shame, and that's not of God. 
And on the flip side, if we see ourselves as a success, we're going to get all puffed up with pride, like Kate said, and that's not of God either. Our only hope is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. I just want to leave you with Galatians 6, 4 through 5 today. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know you have a busy week ahead of you, and we hope that these few minutes together have been an encouragement. If you're not yet a subscriber, we encourage you to head on over to momtomompodcast.com. We have a free gift for you just waiting for you. It's called Our 30 Days of Prayer for My Child, and we hope that that will help you have some specific things to pray for your kids today. Thank you for joining us.